Hi, and welcome back to the Too Much Lime podcast. I'm Julia. And I'm Maddie. And before we get started today, um, you can probably already tell that my voice sounds like, I don't even know, horrible. Um, So I just wanted to give a quick note that everyone in the chronic illness community will understand that when we get a cold, we usually get like the flu. So I am in pretty rough shape today, so just don't mind me if... My voice sounds a little funny or honestly I'm kind of like delusional and I'm not really making a ton of sense just like give me a pass this week (laughs) we're gonna power through it's fine we're gonna power through yes exactly um okay so this week we are gonna talk about specifically college life when you are chronically ill so both Julia and I either got sick in college or like hit the peak peak of our illnesses like right in the middle of college. It was the same year Julie was a junior and I was a sophomore. So um, we are going to talk about kind of how how we did it because I think there's we get a lot of questions on like, okay, how did you do this? And Julie and I have two very different stories of how we ended up dealing with it. And obviously it depends a lot on your situation and what illness you have and all of those things kind of go together. But we figured we would give you guys some of our tips, but then also just some of the reality if you're in that situation right now or you're worried about going into that situation in the future about, um, you know, the real challenges of it. Right. I've had, um, I've actually had patients um, back in Colorado who is um, in high school and just got sick and they're kind of contemplating like, you know, do I even go to school? You know, like I think there's a lot of that question because Mm -hmm. as Maddie said, we both, you know, we both got sick or, you know, our illnesses crescendoed hit at the same time. Um, And we kind of took it in different ways. Like we, it's kind of like we outlined two possible pathways that you could take. Like there's (laughs) a lot of other ways to do it, but there's like, you know, we both did it very different ways. Um, And so I think it's important to note that like, there really isn't any right answer in how you choose to deal with, you know, going forward as someone who might be struggling very acutely or more long-term with an illness. It's very personal and, you know, they're really, I think Maddie and I would not be the people to tell you like, oh, definitely do what I did or definitely don't do what I did because it really does, you know, depend on how your feeling and so much more about your personal situation oh yeah and there are pros and cons of doing it every different way like no one way is like all positive or something so you're gonna have to it's almost like decide what works for you but then also what you're willing to like deal with you know what what negatives are you okay with and which ones aren't you okay with right right I think either one you're you're gonna have to sacrifice something as sad as that is for sure so um I can start just as an overview for you guys who don't know I got sick right at the beginning of my sophomore year like the minute I stepped onto campus so I um kind of it was it was like an ever-growing thing like there were some real problems and started going to the doctor and to a therapist and all these things because at the time I thought that it was like anxiety or something 
And so I was working with someone for a while. And then February of that, you know, the second semester, I woke up one day and I was like, I am dying. <laughs> and This is it. It's happening. <laughs> this is it. Like, um, and it was just like so much mental anguish that I thought I was like physically dying. And all throughout this time too, I kept not being able to stay awake for more than four hours and like was ridiculously thirsty all the time. Just the act of swallowing water, like that second before you can put more water in your mouth, I was like, I'm thirsty. Like, it was very weird. Oh I was like falling asleep everywhere. I couldn't focus on anything and it was just, it was a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't super in love with the school that I was at at the time. I had enjoyed it my Um, freshman year but being sick kind of like really put a damper on everything and so I was just really miserable all around and I think one of the things that was really hard is I ended up having to do like really intensive therapy because they thought that I had some like really severe um, like depression and like anxiety issues and stuff and it wasn't that. It actually happened to be, you know, Lyme disease and all of its co-infections. But because I wasn't getting better with, like, once-a-week therapy, they made me come in five days a week. And I don't know if That's you know exhausting. how to... Five days a week. And I they told me, you need to drop out of school. And I am, like, uh, the most stubborn individual ever created. And I was like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, well, you have to come here for three hours a day and it's 20 minutes away from your school what's your plan right how are you gonna Um, do this and I like put my foot down and I said I'll do this but I'm not quitting school so I chose a slot from the like in the afternoon and most of my classes except for one ended before I want to say like 1 p.m or something like that so I ended up that was a class that I had taken in high school, pretty a similar one. So I ended up talking to the professor and I think in saying like, I'm not going to show up to your class. Like I'll like, I, cause we didn't have like attendance in that class, but it was kind of like, I'm not going to come, but I'm still going to learn it through the textbook and through notes that I actually had a friend in the class. And then I, and I already knew a lot of the information because I had taken the class before. And, um, then Uh, I took the tests in his office in the morning of, like, whatever the test day was, I would take it in the morning. Um, Yeah. And I think talking to your professors about a serious health issue that you're having is rough. It's... Yeah. It's tough. It was the first time that I had had to do that. I've since had to do it (laughs) a lot, and it doesn't really bother (laughs) me anymore. But... um, That was the first time, and I think what was really challenging about it was it was nice because this guy was, like, a graduate student who was teaching, like, an entry-level course. So he kind of understood and was very receptive, which was wonderful, but it's hard to know how much do I share to get across that this is necessary and serious without sharing things that I don't want to talk about or that I don't want a random um, professor to know. Right. So that is a balance that I think I've had to hit by just trial and error. 
of yeah. and and not I think the anxiety of not knowing how a professor is going to react is really hard too. Similar right. to like, but I think you it's know. really important too. Oh yeah, like, to tell them what's yeah. going on. I think it's one hundred percent important because yeah. you don't tell them and you're just sitting there. They're expecting things of you that you cannot give. And I think that just leads to, like, more anxiety and mixed signals and frustration and stuff. So I've learned to be very upfront about it. But I think going to, you know, 12 hours a week of therapy while going to school – and I didn't have a car, so I would have to – I don't know if you guys have ever had um, or had these on your campuses or anything like that. They're called zip cars. Um, And I think it's through Enterprise, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, And you kind of, like, pay for the hours that you're using the car. And what was really nice is we we had a couple that were, like, right outside our building. Um, And so you, like, go on and you register for it and then tap it and then you get in and you drive and stuff. But it was just – for me, I remember in college it being exhaust. not only, like, do you feel awful – but logistically exhausting. Like I felt awful and I was exhausted from the disease, but all of the extra stuff that I now had to plan to make sure that I was actually learning that class, when I was going to take those tests, um, when I was going to do my homework, because usually I was doing like the time that I would do a lot of the homework and studying was when I was going to go to therapy, what I was going to tell people about why I was disappearing from campus for four hours. <laughs> like right. all of those things logistically it's just I think became very overwhelming to me and I remember I think I only made it like three weeks in that program before I was like never mind never mind Um, this is impossible (laughs) yeah and and part of it was because me going there was actually just making me worse like it it was not helping anything if anything it was it was making me worse so I was just like okay this is not worth the amount of effort that is required right so But, you know, I still, so, you know, you're still going to therapy once a week or, uh, you know, or I have random doctor's appointments where, like, I was always showing up at this urgent care that was kind of like an ER and they would fill me with fluids and steroids because my throat would be so inflamed and I couldn't swallow. So they would, I would sit there for a couple hours and you're missing a lot of, you're missing classes, you're missing, you know, like whatever extracurricular activities you've picked and yet you're still trying to, like, kind of keep your grades up and pay attention. And I think that it's exhausting. It's just flat out, like, there's – you're already dying, and it's just seems like this never-ending to-do list of stuff that you need to do that has nothing to do with what any of the students around you have to deal with. Right. Right. It's, like, a very unfair – it's like college is already really hard and or being sick is already really hard. And so when you blend those two things together, like it's just going to be really hard. Like, yeah, it's just a real struggle. <laughs> exactly. But then, you know, kind of like in contrast, um, you know, again, if you've listened to Maddie and I's episodes, you know this. But when I first got sick um, and Maddie and I's whole kind of build up to getting sick is very different. Um but we're not going to get into it. Maddie had been sick for a lot longer, whereas I don't really know when I got sick. Um, And it just kind of like all hit me at once, (laughs) literally one day. Um, I immediately, well, 
I immediately dropped out for like two weeks, hoping that um, it was only going to be two weeks. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> and I had, I was very lucky that I had chosen a university that was only an hour away from home, which like in retrospect made my entire illness slash college career possible. Um, mm-hmm. So I took like a, a brief medical leave for two weeks and I was home <clears throat> and I was on the couch and I really couldn't be at school because I was attached to this like heart monitor for that week, which was terrifying. Um, and, you know, we found out it was Lyme and all this other shit was going on inside my body. And I remember when we found out that day, both um, my practitioner and actually my boyfriend, whose mom had complex Lyme as well, kind of, you know, I was like, oh, sweet, it's Lyme disease. I'm going to take some medicine and I'm going to be fine. <laughs> LOL. And they both were like, oh, sweetie, no. Like, <laughs> that's not, not what's about well to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, 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 no. So, um, I had to sit down and have some pretty pretty shitty conversations, obviously, with, you know, my practitioner and my parents. Um, and eventually we, it wasn't even decided. It was just, like, realized that in that moment it was just better for me to stay at home. Like, I, I was at um, a point where I lived down, like, this driveway that's really long and... I couldn't walk up my driveway and so my parents were like Julia if you can't walk up our like two minute driveway how can you walk to class and I'd be like oh you're right like that's <laughs> all of true. these things yeah all of these things um and I think you know I have such like mixed feelings about that decision like I know for me it was definitely the right move you know, I think it's just so personalized, you know, like I, I, and I also, I think it's important to note because of that, I wasn't able to graduate on time. You know, I took six years to graduate and other people don't have that privilege of being able to take your time to graduate. And that's something that I did have, um, which definitely made the decision a lot easier for me. I, I feel like I'm very lucky to have been able to you know, been afforded an ability to take my time graduating, I think. Um, and so that wasn't something that was necessarily on my mind at the time. Um, you know, I was much more concerned about, you know, just the part of you that kind of shatters when you get sick. That's like, just as Maddie said, like, I need to get everything done. I need to do all these things. Like, we were both very productive, type A, high achieving people. And um, I definitely had to give that up at that time. And I've basically like constantly had to give it up through being sick. Um, And so I took off the first semester. um, And then (laughs) I was supposed to go abroad the second semester with my best friends. And that obviously was not even close to happening. My parents were like, you're not going to Italy. Like, that's not even smart. Um, So that was really sad. You can't be that far away. Right, right, right. So that was like a really shitty part because, um, A, I love my college best friends and I wanted to go abroad with them because we had planned it since like our freshman year and we had this whole idea that we had finally made happen. 
And then I knew that if I went back to school, you know, I wouldn't have that core group of people that I had had since freshman year. Um, but I did have like three really close friends that were there. So in the in the spring, or not even the spring here, it's January, so it's like freezing. Um, <laughs> we I tried to go back to school. Oh my god, like it was so bad. I I don't even know why I tried. I lasted like 15 days I think and I was on you know I I really like you know my campus was doing everything possible to try to help me like I didn't have a car but I had medical transport so I was driven from class to class you know somebody would carry my backpack because I couldn't carry my backpack I was only taking three classes like all of these things like my my university was very helpful but it was just I it's one of those things where I definitely could have survived and done it, but mental and physical health wise, I was just like, I, this is not worth it. I'm going to die. Um, so I actually ended up dropping out that semester as well. And I went to live with my grandparents in Florida and that ended up actually being a really good decision because there was a functional medicine clinic down there and I was just able to you know, be outside and really soak up trying to heal a bit more. But, um, and then eventually I did for my senior year, even though for me it was basically my junior year, um, I was able to go back. Um, but again, the fact that I lived an hour away, I would, you know, go back during the week and come home most weekends or, you know, on a long weekend that I would like make for myself by skipping class, I would come home to sleep and um I only ever took three classes from then on out and that is something like you know whether or not you choose to remain in school or take a little bit of a break for yourself um something that I would definitely recommend is looking into taking three classes it does suck because it means that Every summer, I have always taken summer classes because of it. Like, I've always had to be making up the credits. I graduated a year late. Like, you know, I think the biggest sacrifice besides, like, you know, not being on campus with all my friends and people that I loved was that um, my university wouldn't let me walk at graduation, and that was shit. Like, I was devastated. Like, they didn't really accept the fact that I was sick, and that's why I didn't have this one extra credit. Like, all this kind of bullshit got in the way. Um, And so I think it's important, you know, like, either either way you do it, you're going to – there are things that are going to slip through the cracks and things that are kind of – you're going to have to realize, like, okay, if you take time off, you are going to be delayed now. You're not going to have the traditional trajectory that you thought. Versus if you stay in school, you know, Mads, like you, you finished on time, but you were also pretty miserable, <laughs> not to speak for you. Yeah, I think there are big sacrifices to make because I ended up transferring after that year because I was just so miserable. And I, Julie and I talked about this before we started recording about like internships and stuff like that of things you need to do over the summer to you know get a job or whatever you know things to put on your resume and I couldn't like I was not well enough to leave home 
So I had to figure out an option that was really close to home where my parents could like take care of me and watch me and stuff. So I basically just that whole summer is just kind of a blur of just being this like empty sack of (laughs) ridiculousness, like being pulled around and like driving and it, it was miserable. And I think something that's actually what I always look like, look at when I think about whether or not I chose to leave is because the like really physical parts of my illnesses were not the like physical symptoms were not as severe as the mental symptoms so like my ability to walk to class I would definitely get tired and stuff and I was like I mean the physical symptom of being extremely fatigued was there but I could walk to class like and so I wasn't in and like the the headaches and stuff like that like it it was I was able to tolerate it enough to be there and like my body would actually allow me like to carry me through but mentally I was dying like internally so I think that had it been the other way around I think I would have definitely had to um right like if the severity of symptoms shifted the other way I would not I would have had to drop out for sure because you can hide mental health symptoms a lot of the time um it's harder to hide and allow your body to actually like physically carry you to class and and take exams and stuff like that for you right right that's like a good I'm glad you said that because I remember um one of the when I was talking to my dean about um I really did want to drop out she was like it was like me and my doctor and my parents and my dean all on the phone. I became like best friends with my academic dean. Um, <laughs> and my doctor was like, okay, Julia, you can go back to school, but is each of your buildings wheelchair accessible? And I was like, um, I don't know. Like, it's something that I had never thought about, which is extremely fortunate on my part again. Um, but my, I'm a, you know, like science major and this the chemistry building and my neuroscience classes are all in the basement of this really old building that is not wheelchair accessible which is really fucked up colgate um they're like (laughs) they fixed it since but i remember like that was actually a reason they were like you know your your mind can get to class but your body physically cannot get there you know Mm -hmm. and And mine was the other way around exactly it was like my body could get me there but my mind was not there (laughs) right right and each is equally detrimental you know like yeah i think that's the important thing with lyme yeah and one leads down a path of being miserable and staying and one led down a path of being miserable and leaving so like it's right like you're it sucked either way and right and i remember yeah i remember like the idea of taking medication and stuff while in school was really hard because a lot of times with Lyme the medication makes you worse so until it makes you better like so trying to deal with all of that was really hard and um my junior year I moved into um my sorority house uh and I was it was the spring semester and I was getting these shots these like um intramuscular injections but the consistency of it is like a mayonnaise like it's really thick it's not like a normal like kind of like liquid injection 
So when you put it in, you, it has to go really deep, but then it also has to um, be infused. Like you, you can't do it right away. Like you have to do it over like five minutes. Right. So you can't really do it to yourself because of like the angle they want you to do it at and all this stuff. So this nurse who was lovely and I <laughs> loved her, but like this nurse would show up once a week on Thursdays to our sorority house and people would be like maddie your nurse is here and she would come upstairs and we would we had this like extra little room that didn't even have a lock on it but um and she would do it in there for me and then i would get up and you know leave and you're super sore so i would like get in bed and my roommates would be sweet and like bring me food upstairs and stuff but that also made it like super public because yeah there are 50 of us living in that house and anyone can be downstairs at any given time not like other than just the girls that live there so it was awkward because since I also transferred it's not like I knew those girls very well right so um you just show up like oh that is a sick child like cool (laughs) so um and everybody was really great about it but it was just one of those things that I remember being like really uncomfortable but also very logistically challenging because right you know i would get also sent these packages that were cold and so they had to be put in the fridge right away but like they would be delivered to my sorority house and somebody would have to sign for it and they would never tell me when they were coming and then so i Mm. would be in class and somebody would be like oh maddie like something cold arrived for you and they'd think that like some boyfriend sent me chocolates or like something (laughs) fun i was like no guys it's not fun but can somebody unpack it and put it in the fridge please but for realsies please put it in the fridge it's my medicine like (laughs) yeah so that was just weird you know like it sounds like it's you know you're naturally you're like oh somebody sent you flowers or somebody sent you chocolate or whatever it is something that's like fun and it's like really not no (laughs) right right I I think that's like yeah and it's like just as you said it's kind of like this weird balance like you know once you inevitably go back to school or you are in school when you're sick um it's like a weird balance of people either know everything like my I, I lived with I was one of six girls in an apartment and they're my best friends and they know everything and then everybody else on campus was just like I think that girl is sick but like she's never in classes and like she looks really different now and she never parties you know what I mean like and to those people I remember having a lot of conversations with my friends and my family about just being so angry that like people didn't know what was going on with me which might have just been like me I don't know having a lot of other anger that really I was just taking out on this but it was kind of one of those things where when I got back to school senior year and um you know I looked a lot different like my body type had completely changed I you know couldn't do the things I used to do you know I I had to change a lot about my life on campus um you know a lot of people just kind of didn't know why and I think I was really frustrated that people didn't understand how severely I was sick and how severely I had just endured a year of you know and that was something that Mm -hmm. I really really struggled with at school like people just being like you know oh I remember going dropping my friends off at a party because I could never really go or I would go for like five minutes and talk to people 
and people would be like oh you're never here on the weekends like i thought you just didn't like to party and i would literally want to like grab them by the shoulders and be like do you understand what is happening to me like i think i'm dying and i'm 22 years old like you know things like that that you know that it's a such a weird dichotomy of like you know your illness is so invisible but then to people who do know it's so visible and so evident mm-hmm. and there are moments that i just wanted to like scream it from the rooftops of campus and be like everybody needs to know how horrible like almost wanted people to like bear witness to what i had gone through for some reason um, yeah no i get that i actually really you know? understand that it doesn't i went to a really large school so there was no way that people were gonna know unless they knew me um but I remember it being really hard because when I transferred the year that was horrifyingly bad happened the year before where no one knew me and then I showed up and was really sick for like a month and then got diagnosed and started doing treatments which really helped I was still really sick but they definitely helped um it was it became more like physical at that point where like my physical symptoms became more like prominent as the medication took care of some of the like bugs in my brain and stuff and it's hard for someone who hasn't seen like didn't see me wake up at three o'clock in the morning screaming because like my head felt like it was trying to kill me and like not being able to go back to bed and like that happening a lot like you know having like those weird panic attacks that come from nothing and stuff and um you know having migraines where like you can't move and and stuff like that so it's when you don't see it it's so hard to understand that the person in front of you has gone through something horrible and I think that's probably very true of a lot of like traumatic experiences and I think you know regardless of if it's an illness or anything else but I I think it's a common thread and theme to feel like you need others to see it not to feel bad for you but just to understand and almost help you carry it sit with you in it and be like okay I, I understand what's going on and it's just like not feasible for that to be everyone um right and i remember getting my um joy i don't know if you had your pick line in when you were in school still but i had mine in (laughs) yeah i did it was so weird (laughs) okay so i had mine in right before my senior year and at this point most people that i was close with at school knew that i was sick in some way and um like obviously my roommates knew me and knew that well and stuff and um that was like a pretty visible sign of Mm -hmm. being really sick like the first like thing that you could look at and be like oh that chick's (laughs) something's wrong and um I remember we were you know I, I was sitting in the house with a lot of other girls and um someone who was a friend came up and asked me about it and they're like is it okay if I ask you about it and I the way she did it was very 
thoughtful and, and, you know, because nobody wanted to like, you don't want to bring it up. You know, everybody can, is staring at the port and like knows it's there, but like (laughs) nobody wants to bring it up if it's, yeah. And and I get that. And I think it's respectful to people. And so she asked, she could talk about it. And I was actually really relieved to talk about it because it's easier than everybody kind of tiptoeing around it. Um, And so a couple girls, you know, came up and asked me, what was going on and and um really I really appreciated that like you know same idea of like it, I felt seen in what I was trying to do and under like everybody under being able to understand that like just going to class and like finishing and being here is like a tremendous feat and yeah it's not just me trying to get through senior year and having fun like I I did a lot of the same thing. I drove, you know, my friends, I went out um, sometimes, but it was a lot of times of like me being too tired or having a migraine because I would always get them at night and stuff um, and being the person who drives and drops off, you know, and um, that's always an awkward thing because you're like, make good choices. (laughs) Right, right. You know, like you're like the mom of, yeah. And I think that is really challenging. Um, I remember... I used to have to do um, my, instead of coming in syringes, my infusions came in, there's a word for it, but there are these, it's like a silicone ball with your medicine inside of it. And um, once you turn it on and clip it into your line, it um, infuses at a certain rate and the ball shrinks as that happens because the medication's coming out of it. Um, That's so cool. Really cool because you can just sleep. And, um, yeah, mine was a syringe. What the yeah, hell? <laughs> so mine was syringes originally, and then this new medication that I switched to was the ball um, right. one. And if you, you mean you, everybody knows about the extraordinary fatigue that's accompanied with Lyme disease, but then also the fatigue of these intravenous medications are adding a lot as well. Yeah, and so yeah. I couldn't get out of bed early enough for one of my classes to infuse before class because I had to do it at night and in the morning and so all I could do was roll out of bed 15 minutes before put clothes on throw my hair up in a bun um you know grab a granola bar and then hook up my infusion with the ball and then put my backpack on with like because it was on my chest, um, the port was on my chest, I would put my backpack strap a little bit to the side and then I would just put the ball in the water bottle pocket on the outside and put it like under my shirt. So like you'd only see the tubing under from my shirt to the backpack. But like if you were paying that close, you were probably, nobody was paying close enough attention to see that. So I would just walk to class while infusing. And then oh my God. by the time I got to class, the infusion was done. So there was a bathroom across the hall and I would spend, like, five minutes in the bathroom, like, unhooking it and cleaning it and flushing it and putting the heparin in, all of those things. And a couple of times, our professor walked in and saw me doing it. And she was like, okay. And she knew because I had talked to her about it at the beginning. And she was this very sweet woman who had had cancer at one point. So she had had infusions done and knew how to handle the port and stuff. And she came in one time. She's like, do you need help? Like, I, I know how to do that. Like, do you like, do you want some help? And at that point, you're like a pro at it. So you don't really need help. But right. it was such a sweet moment of feeling seen in that. Yeah. Um, yes, I did just hoof it to class while like infusing, infusing stuff like into my heart, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and 
so it was logistically all those things because you have to I'm trying to get to class and infuse and the infusions take a while and then I had other like hanging bag ones that took even longer which I would try and do like while napping or while we were all watching a movie so it would be me and my three other roommates and my medication pole with this huge like what looked like a banana bag on it and we'd just watch a movie and I would be hooked up and stuff and it seems and I think it sounds very funky and very out of the ordinary but it was just kind of what you had to do so it became very normal but I think the normal that comes with being chronically ill in college is no one else's normal no one else's normal exactly I remember um so all of my friends graduated in 2019 and I it's honestly comical so I was not allowed to like quote-unquote walk at graduation like it wasn't my graduation like I graduated in 2020 but I was like this is going to be my graduation like I am making it my graduation and Mm -hmm. so um and my parents were very much like that too they were like even if like technically you don't get your diploma right now like you know we've we've always been planning to do this graduation party with these friends like they knew my friends really well like our parents knew each other um and so I (laughs) it was just so many weird things like my my big and my sorority sent me her old um graduation cap and gown so I like got a cap and gown even though I wasn't allowed to and the only we not the only weird part there was a lot of weird parts but um <laughs> like I couldn't walk in the processional so like students who didn't know me were like you know processing into graduation and there was just a girl in a cap and gown on the side crying even though like it was the weirdest thing ever like the amount of weird looks that I got was honestly ridiculous yeah which just made Um, it worse because you're like I'm already upset about this and now I have to be embarrassed about what you think of me yes I was so deeply embarrassed and you know but my friends are amazing and so we had like the best weekend ever um but it's so funny because like I whatever posted an Instagram for graduation so like the whole world thought that I graduated, essentially, if you didn't know I did. Me, but... I didn't know Julia that well at the time. I thought she graduated. <laughs> and then I talked to my right. mom. We were bringing something <laughs> up. And I was like, it, somehow we got on the thing about, like, what year you graduated in. And I was like, Julia already graduated. And I was like, no, she didn't. <laughs> it's literally like it was all make-believe. Like, I didn't actually graduate. <laughs> yeah, but it, no, she made it look like – and, I mean, you were only a few credits away, so it wasn't like right. – it wasn't it like wasn't you were trying to graduate like sophomore crazy. year. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, I needed – I took summer classes, and then I took, like, part-time classes for, like, whatever, the rest of the year, I think, or half the year. I don't remember. But so then that fall, like, you know, to the world I had, quote-unquote, graduated. But that fall, I was still driving back to campus to take classes part-time and do my thesis. And that's when I had my pick line in. So, like, I remember rolling up to my neuroscience class – and these girls in my sorority who were younger than me and who had thought I graduated not only, like, saw me walk in the door, but then I also had this huge tube thingy coming out of my arm. They were like, what is happening? Like, who is this lady? Like, what is going on? So I just got a lot of weird looks. Like, my, you know, finishing up college was definitely weird. People thought I was super weird, but I was just like, whatever. I'm just here to get a graduation piece of paper and I'm out. Um, yeah. But it was definitely one of those, you know, moments where 
so many people didn't know what was going on. You know, I think it's such a good lesson and it doesn't have to be, you know, we say this a lot, you know, our stories, you know, really revolve around Lyme disease and illnesses, but it doesn't have to be an acute physical illness. Like people with mental health challenges or past traumas or, you know, everyone has things going on that you just can't see. And, you know, walking around campus or in the dining hall or in the library, if you saw me and you didn't know, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that Maddie and I were sick. And it's just one of those things where, you know, I remember walking around campus with a bit of a new perspective on people just being like, you know, before I snap, you know, judgment or I'm going to get annoyed at someone for like being late to class or like holding up the line or something like that. I'd be like, okay, but they could have Lyme disease right now. Like, they could be really sick and, like, you don't really know it. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a ton of negatives about being sick in college, but it definitely, you know, it it provides you with a new perspective shift that I think is really important to have in your early 20s when people tend to, like, be more judgmental and, you know, pretty intense. Like, I definitely lost – I was a super intense person and – I am no longer like rushing or that intense as I used to be because, you know, I I remember telling my friends we were all, you know, we're all pre-med majors for the most part and it's a super intense, you know, field of study and we would all get back from, you know, whatever biology or chemistry class and they would be like stressing and stressing about the next test or the next case study or whatever and I would be like, guys, school really doesn't matter that much. And they would kind of give me this look, but they knew that, like, in my mind, like, ever since getting sick, I'm like, guys, really, at the end of the day, like, these things that we stress about for years, like, really doesn't matter that much because, like, you are alive and you're healthy and you're well. And there are definitely times where, like, my best friend would be studying for organic chemistry and she'd be like, Julia, shut up. Like, this matters. (laughs) And I'd be like, okay, yes. (laughs) But it did make me... Like, my perspective on life and on school my freshman and sophomore year is dramatically different than, you know, since getting sick and just in general. And I think it enabled me to, like, stop beating myself up so much, I guess, about, like, being perfect and, like, doing it all, which I think in college it often looks like everyone other than you is doing it all and then it puts the pressure on you. But, you know, people really aren't doing it all. (laughs) Yeah. And if they are, they're miserable. So Exactly, yes. I think one other thing that I wanted to bring up that I found really helpful and took some of the stress out of being at school but was something that was like a really difficult step to take was utilizing um, your school's disability services. So Absolutely, yes. You can, if you have a chronic illness, a whatever it is, some kind of illness, you can um, get a note from your doctor essentially that explains the limitations that your illness presents and you work with your disability service at your school to figure out ways that they can adjust school so that the way that your body functions is enough. So, I think there's a huge stigma around using these services because it makes it seem like you didn't deserve your degree or you didn't work as hard as everyone else. But I think from hearing about 
you know, what we, the extra stuff and the, and all of the logistical and really challenging things that we had to deal with after listening to that, hopefully you wouldn't believe that we probably worked harder, even though sometimes it was okay if I didn't show up to class. Right, um, right. Like I would have died without extra time on my exams. Oh my God. Yeah. So for me, it was a really hard first step to say like, I actually need this because I was such like a type A perfectionist person that I was like, I can't accept help or it doesn't, or my diploma doesn't mean something, you know, it doesn't actually mean anything. And so going and actually learning about the different ways that they could help that I had literally no idea, like times, certain services that they offered and programs where I could talk in my essay would show up um, as like somebody, it would be typing like speech to text certain ones. So that if I had a migraine and I couldn't open my eyes, I could talk into my computer. Or if I had a migraine and couldn't open my eyes but I needed to read, like, an article or something, the ability to turn text into speech and listen to what I – like, my textbook or something like that. Um, the ability to miss for numerous doctor's appointments. I had to fly back and forth to New York a lot, and I didn't want to be penalized for not being in class and participating if – I was trying to make a 12-hour round trip in one day. Like, I was already trying to condense it so much. Um, And so I worked with them to, you know, figure out what I needed. And it ends up being really helpful for your professors, too, because if you have a difficult professor who wants to drag their feet about helping you and giving you what you deserve to be able to succeed having those services like legally binds them to follow what is being given um and so you're able i was able to i never really had a problem with a professor but at the beginning of every semester i would go to all of my professors and have a meeting with them briefly explain the circumstances explain that i was a part of the disability services department and you know would give them the accommodations that i had been approved for And we would talk about it, talk about how it fit into their class, and then we would make it work. And I think it took a lot of the stress out of, particularly for me, um, missing class because of appointments, because it's not like I had one appointment a semester. Like, I could, for the most part, try and work around them, but ones where I have to fly to New York, like, that's a whole day, or... I remember I got like an endoscopy and I was going to be like high for the rest of the day. So like there was no chance that I was making it to class that day. Right. And right. So exactly. It was the ability to, you know, take tests at other times or just, um, you know, figure out ways in which you could just be, you know, your participation grade was counting just for the times that you were there. Like not you were right. being penalized for the time that you weren't as long as it, you know, you, you have to be responsible as to not abuse it so that you're taken right. seriously and things like that. But um, that was something that I think was hard, but something that I would recommend doing because I think it takes a lot of the stress out of it and takes a lot off your plate, actually. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And it just makes those conversations with your professors or if there's, you know, for some reason, an emergency or something like that. Like, I remember... There was like a whole week that I had a really bad flare up and I just stayed home. And because I had already, you know, gone through all of those channels and filled out all the paperwork with my dean and the disabilities office and talked to my professors, like 
it was just a quick email saying like hey I'm out of commission this week and they're totally fine with it you know it just kind of Mm -hmm. like it gives you that wiggle room of comfort and just as Maddie said like you already have so much going on in your mind and on your plate and that's not even taking into account like just socializing and being a normal human being like there's so much already going on that you also have no control over so just giving yourself any way to decrease that stress and that burden on your shoulders like I think it's important that that's not a sign of weakness that you are asking for a little bit of assistance and just it's not even assistance it's understanding you know it's Mm -hmm. making your professors understand what is going on and that I need these things for myself to succeed and honestly function and I think that no matter what, that is absolutely the most important thing that you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to, it really, what it is, is just bringing you up to, trying to bring you up to the level of you before you got sick or just your peers, like how they are able, you know, what they have to do their work with. Um, and right. they have different bodies than you do. So being able to listen to something instead of having to read it and knowing that I'm going to fall asleep on the paper five minutes later versus reading it and that not being as strenuous, like, it's going to help. And so I think one of the most important things that I would bring up is do it at the summer before you go. You know, if, I mean, there's always the chance, like Julia, that you're going to get sick right in the middle of the year and you're going to have to figure it out then. And that's totally fine. But if you can, like if you have to re-up your accommodations or something, always renew them because as early as you can so that you're not because if you hit a flare or something it is that much more challenging to talk with everyone and try and set up these services while being in a huge flare instead of having done it beforehand where you you know weren't in a massive flare but you knew you were going to need these and so it's if you set it up prior it's just one less thing that is going to have to get done when you're like really acutely ill for some reason at like a flare-up right and I know for me my um like my therapist and my medical practitioner really like did a lot of it for me honestly like you know try to I I think such a big theme of this podcast and this episode and Maddie and I's life in general is like ask people for help like when you're sick like that is such a key and it can be super hard and it takes a lot of getting used to like Maddie and I have both been sick since 2017 and you know since since really a lot longer but you know since college and um it's it's something that we still like talk about on a day-to-day basis just between the two of us because it is really hard but it like looking back I'm like I should have asked for help then and I should have asked for more help then you know and you just kind of have to set aside your pride and recognize like your body is not at 100%, and so you need people to help bring you back up to 100%. Yes, 100%. I agree. So we hope that this podcast gave you a little bit of insight into, you know, what it's like to be sick in college and ways that you can kind of alleviate some of the burden and hopefully just feel seen in your experience so we will catch you next time on the too much lime podcast
The information in this podcast is meant to be supportive and not for medical advice. Please consult your physician before making any medical decisions. You can find a Lyme literate provider at gla.org in their find a doctor section.